Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Teach Me to Talk, the podcast. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech-language pathologist, and I'm so happy to be doing the show at the beginning of the week this week. For those of you who don't listen regularly or those of you who just listen to archives, that means nothing because you just listen to shows at your own pace, and that is absolutely fantastic. But for those of you who download a new show or listen to a new show as soon as it's done, we're going to have some some time constraints here and being sure that you can use these ideas. I'm a little bit late with this topic, but for any of you who happen to be last-minute planners like yours truly, some of the time anyway, um, I want to be sure that I'm giving you some really cute ideas for Valentine's Day for toddlers to use during your therapy sessions this week. Today is Monday, February 9th, so you still have some time to pull these activities together for the remainder of the week. And again, don't worry that they're going to be really complicated or you're just going to turn the show off because there's no way you can pull it all together in time. Yes, you can because these ideas are super easy Super, I want to say cheap, but maybe inexpensive is a better word to use. I don't want to have a negative connotation, but let me just give you some no-fail ideas that you can use this week. And again, we'll talk about how you can alter um, how you use the specific ideas based on where a child is functioning developmentally and based on what goals you're working on. So let's get started. And if you are more of a reader than an auditory learner or a listener, there's a a post about this that I I put up on teachmetotalk.com late yesterday afternoon. So if you haven't seen it yet, take a look at that. And it's titled, One of My Favorites, Valentine's Day for Toddlers. So let's jump in and walk you through really, really easy activities that you could pull together this week to use with your little friends in sessions. Let's call them our little sweethearts this week. That that sounds even cuter. Okay. One of my all-time best Valentine's Day pull-it-out-of-the-air activities is to run in a store like Walgreens or CVS Rite Aid, any kind of drugstore or Walmart, Target, Kmart, even the grocery store this time of year will have children's Valentine sets. You know, you buy those, remember, or if you have kids, if you if you have kids that are elementary school age, you've done this. You buy those little sets that are in the cardboard boxes, unless you're one of those Pinterest moms that is creative enough and on time enough to make your homemade Valentine's. But for the rest of us... We're going and buying these for our kids. You can certainly do this for toddlers. Run in and buy a couple of different sets. Now, I like to have enough of a variety so that if a child prefers like one character over another, say that you pick up Disney princesses and then you realize you want to use this with a little boy, he may not be into Cinderella and Belle and Ariel and Little Mermaid, all of those little princesses. Be sure that you're thinking about the kids that you'll see and and their interests, what they might like. This year, let me tell you what I used. I picked up a, a set of Frozen that's still really, really big 
even though that movie was last year. And I'm, let me just say, I'm still getting good luck with having kids learn how to sing the Let It Go song. And if you have a kid who's saying, ready, set, the go part of that, this week just bust out in song. Start singing the Frozen song and see if you can elicit go in other kind of context. It's still hugely popular with with so many young kids. So that might be another little tip, not necessarily related to Valentine's Day, but certainly something that's worked for me over the last year uh, with my little friends. So back to the cards that I, I used this year. Frozen, I have a couple of kids that love SpongeBob, and SpongeBob is about to be really hot again because there's a new SpongeBob movie out. It's part of it's animated, of course, because SpongeBob is animated. But I think there's some real-looking people in there too. It's I haven't seen it. It's probably ridiculous, but it'll really revamp good old SpongeBob and all of his friends. So if you have a kid who's liked that, or if you're looking for something that uh, for a child who may have some older siblings and who may go to the movies regularly. That might be something you would like. I found a set of Jake and the Neverland Pirates, and boy, Jake is still really, really popular with little boys. Uh, so that might be something that you could do. Um, and then a couple of just generic ones. A set with puppy dogs and kitty cats, and those animals are always huge hits with toddlers. And then uh, I found some older ones that I had, a set that I had just kind of stashed away, and it was a Disney Cars theme, so Lightning McQueen, um, the truck. I've gone blank on the truck's name. Mater, there it is. <laughs> so that that kind of set, too. In previous years, I've used whatever's been popular and whatever kids that I'm seeing at the time like. So things like Dora or Elmo. I mentioned Disney princesses. And, again, you cannot go wrong with animal themes and, and dogs and cats, you know, puppies and kitties. Those are the most popular. But even things like bears and butterflies and bees. I saw a lot of bumblebees when I was looking for cards this year. Pick up a couple of those sets. If you're really on the ball, wait until next week and go buy them on clearance and then just stash them away so you'll have this activity all set for next year. And hopefully you'll start a little sooner than the week of Valentine's Day. <laughs> you can kind of carry this through for a couple of weeks. So get those cards. Now let me tell you the following ideas that I use in sessions with toddlers with speech language delays or disorders. And again, this is really dependent on the child's goals and his current developmental level. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, some of these ideas, kids that you're seeing, it, they're not appropriate because they're just not developmentally ready yet. So we'll talk about that and we'll talk about the um, kind of the complexities of deciding, you know, again, that's one of the fun things about this job is there's a clinical decision-making process. And we know that we should modify any activity that we're using with the child based on what the target is and based on where the kid is currently functioning. And that's another really important part that I want to emphasize you don't really start any kind of therapy with a new kid with a goal. You always start at what they currently can do. Does that make sense to you? 
If you've listened to the show for a while, I know you've heard me say it before. We meet a child where he is before we even think about the goal. So let's just take a really practical example like we're going to talk about today. If you have a guy, a little a little guy or girl that you've evaluated, and he or she is coming in at the 9 to 12-month level when you initially assess them, meaning they're not very vocal yet. Let's just say that they're not understanding simple commands. They may respond to their name. They may occasionally give you something if you hold out your hand to kind of a give me early command. They are, but they might be inconsistent with that. They certainly aren't following lots of verbal directions. And again, if you had some toys out, you really couldn't say to them, go get this or give me that and, and have any kind of consistent accuracy. For a kid like that, do you think he or she would even sort of be interested in writing on the Valentine's Day card and playing mailbox for that? Absolutely not, because we know that that's a more mature activity for a child who's a little further along cognitively, for a kid who understands more words. So, again, you have to really think about where a kid is and how you can tweak these activities. And if you're a therapist that just kind of plans, you know, let's say you operate more along the whole this is what I'm doing this week, this is my lesson plan, these are the activities, and everybody's going to do the same thing. You're not going to be as successful as you could be and should be when you have that kind of mentality. And speech with language pathologists, for the most part, probably aren't thinking like that. And certainly, and again, if you're a developmental interventionist, developmental specialist, EI teacher, whatever they call you in your state, I'm not implying that all Teacher people <laughs> think like that either, but we run across that more often with folks who have had lots and lots of classroom experience, or maybe you've run a program for a while and you kind of are trained in that lesson plan, this is how we develop it. And again, I'm not knocking that, I'm just, and you, and I like that, I like to use themed-based activities, and I like to take kind of a whole theme and then think, what am I going to modify for this kid? What will I alter for this kid? What will I change for this kid? You have to make those individual adjustments, or you're probably not getting what you should be working on with each individual child. And again, I see it more often when I'm working with or responding to or commenting or however I'm helping a therapist, I see it more often in that, that generalist realm than we probably do with therapists because we've been writing individual plans forever, and so we do think about that a little bit more. Uh, but again, I'm sure there are lots and lots of DIs and EI specialists, and again, whatever you call teacher people, I know we have a big, big audience with that. And if you're listening to this show, you're probably not one of those people who make that mistake anyway, are you? All right, so let's move on. Let's talk about these ideas, and remember, we'll, we'll address what kind of kids this will be most successful for and how you can modify the goals, again, based on what you're working on with a child. So the first idea, you bought your little sets of Valentine's cards. What can you do with that? Get yourself some kind of bag. And if you've seen any of my DVDs or been to one of my conferences or 
<laughs> again, listen to the show for a while. You know that I own and routinely buy lots and lots of those giant two-and-a-half-gallon Ziploc bags, those C3 bags. Now, you could use a Ziploc for this activity, but I usually don't because I want there to be an element of surprise or anticipation. I don't really want a child to know what's in the bag just yet. So place the cards in a paper bag so that the kid can't see, and your whole purpose here is to give him a reason to want to stay with you and play with you and see what's in that darn bag. So you have to set it up, and you have to make a big deal about, ooh, what's in my bag? What's in there? Oh, let's see. Let's see. Come on, come on, come on. And you're really enticing a child to come and sit with you and stay with you wherever you happen to be working with them. You might create some really cute verbal routines here. And what's a verbal routine? It's anything that you say at the same time in the same way, you know, over and over and over. We're going for repetition here. And why do we emphasize repetition? Because that's what everybody's brain needs to learn. We rarely learn something with the first shot, right? And especially toddlers that we know have been kind of predisposed to needing lots and lots and lots of opportunities to learn language for whatever reason. We know that we have to repeat, 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 expose, 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 so that a child, again, learns what we want them to do. So when you're using a little routine like shaking the bag and saying shake, 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 you won't just do that a time or two. You need to do it as long as the kid stays with you and every single time you you begin that new turn. So do whatever cute little thing you want to do there with your shake, shake, shake. And so, again, you're going to be using your facial expressions, your tone of voice, your words, anything that you can to build that anticipatory reaction there or, or action on your part so that you can hook a child's attention and get him to want to see what's in the bag. For some kids sitting with you and wanting to see what's in the bag and play with you and light up and not run away is the only goal you'll work on. <laughs> so take, for example, the the kind of kid that I talked about earlier, a kid who's significantly delayed or significantly behind, whatever word you want to use, a kid who's totally nonverbal, a kid who doesn't understand very much language, that you're just really trying to establish that interaction piece, that social piece, and him wanting to stay with you and play and see what you have and care that you're in the room, <laughs> this is what you'll do. And again, you'll you'll do your little shake, 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 and then you'll make a big deal about saying, oh, open, open, that's open. Open the bag, let him reach in there. If he doesn't automatically do it, kind of show it to him. Or you could even model that where you stick your hand in the bag and then pull it out with great fanfare and say, oh, it's, you know, whoever's on your card, your Valentine there. And, again, I hope that you've paid attention to what a child likes because if you, if a kid just turns away, like, well, that was, you know, a complete bust, <laughs> You probably haven't done a good enough job of, again, knowing what a kid likes. So if you get no reaction after a first time or two, let me just say, don't beat a dead horse. Don't keep going with this activity 
um, because it may not be motivating enough for some children. But hopefully for the majority of toddlers on your caseload, you have done a good job of picking what they would like with a little Valentine's Day card. And you could, um, you know, kind of keep going and press on a little bit to see. Change your own reactions. Make yourself even more fun and more exciting. If they have a sibling at home, get the sibling to play with you. A brother or sister sometimes can can get participation <laughs> Oh, boy, much better than you can or mom can. You can have mom kind of model. And mom get all pulling um, whoever, you know, SpongeBob or Patrick or, you know, one of the other characters that we talked about, um, you know, the Frozen Princess, pulling her out of the bag and, you know, just being really animated and saying, oh, look, look, see, look, look who I have. And if this is one of your first few times listening to the show, you may be listening and think, man, this lady is crazy. She is a little over the top. hmm, I'm not sure about her. Let me just say, for most toddlers that we're working with, you have to exhibit that level of animation and that level of playfulness. You have to really be super, super up and goofy a lot of the time, to get a kid to want to pay attention to you. If you're just saying things like, well, got some pirates here in the bag. Let's, let's, see, let's see Jake's in there. That won't get it for most of our little friends. It just won't. And there are some people who will argue and say, you know, that's not really the way I talk. I've never really seen anybody act that way. I kind of feel stupid when I do it. A lot of moms will say this initially. They'll kind of, not so much anymore because now I'm in private practice and people usually have sought my services and kind of know what they're going to get. (laughs) They've uh, been referred to me specifically or found me through teachmetotalk.com or something. So they, they kind of have clicked on a couple of video links and they know this is not, they just know what they're going to get. So it's not a lot of surprise now, like sometimes it used to be. If I, you know, years and years ago when I was taking just, you know, referrals from the early state early intervention program or, you know, whoever, and the the mom may not have known, especially before Teach Me to Talk, uh, we launched that in 2008, and even even that first year or two with the website, a lot of times moms did. I was still seeing kids all day every day, just from that general referral mechanism so they wouldn't know me and sometimes I would go into a home and I could see when I started interacting with the child that sometimes moms would be a little surprised (laughs) and sometimes occasionally most of the time most people like it because they they like for you they like to know first of all that you're alive and kicking (laughs) and in our day and age of (laughs) how so many people are kind of flat because you know they're either too dependent on their technology and are kind of you know just lost in their phone or they're lost in their show or whatever they're doing sometimes it's a real surprise for a parent to see someone being pretty energetic with the toddler and again just your model alone can make a huge difference for some of these parents because I've had parents say to me and I'm sure some of you have too with Gosh, I, did, I didn't really know to do that. I, man, that works great. I, boy, he loves you. He pays better attention to you than anybody else he's ever met. Or they may some, say something a little 
more like, man, you're really great with kids. So that reaction that I'm using and, and that, that I'm modeling, my, my therapy voice, as my children called it when they were in middle school and high school, and they would say, don't use that therapy voice. You know, that therapy voice is really, really important for establishing that initial attention with a child. And honestly, it really is a big part of maintaining attention. And so sometimes when you're about to lose a child, you don't really do anything different for the child. You change yourself (laughs) and you check back in a little bit. Or as I say, you ratchet it up a notch and you decide, well, man, I need to sound even more fun or warmer or more, sometimes it's more loving. You need to be more nurturing. Okay, so whatever you need to do to help keep that child's attention with you, you know, that's what you'll do. One cute, and so let me get back to this. So for a kid like that, your whole purpose would just be that you would do your little routine, the shake, 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 let's open and keep him with you and wanting to do that more and more. Now, are you going to just give him the bag and let him rip it out of your hand and then just take out, you know, spread the 15 Valentines you have in there all over the house and totally disregard you. Absolutely not. Maintain control of the bag. (laughs) That's your part of this in having him learn that you come with it. He doesn't just get to flip through the cards. And, again, this is fun for so many of our little guys who are so visually gifted or or that's their preference, that's their strength. They really – this for a kid who a mom says – might say to you, boy, he loves flashcards. Now, for a lot of kids with toddlers, you won't get that. That's the complete opposite. But for a lot lot of our little guys who are on the spectrum or who have those red flags for ASD, they kind of like those things. They really like um, looking at pictures and, and because visual information to them is so much more meaningful than any kind of auditory information. So they process everything with their little eyes. That's why they're up, you know, right on the TV. That's why they're addicted to that iPad or the phone, those apps. They love that visual piece. So kids like that will really like um, these kind of Valentine's cards. Kids who you may have kids who this is, again, not appropriate for because they would rather have toys. That's okay, too. In a minute, we're going to talk about some other things that you can do with those kinds of kids. But let's just stick with the Valentine's card from now on or for right now. For the kids who like it but who aren't able to give you a sign or a word or, or complete a request yet, you just want them to stay with you. You just want them interested with you. You may be, one of your goals may be that they'll participate in uh, one-on-one interaction with another person. That is a wonderful goal for a new kid on your caseload with big-time social and interaction deficits, just that he would stay with you and complete a play routine. And you might be measuring, you know, that you'll have to word it better than this. And, again, I never really talk about wording goals on the show because every program or agency or state you know, they all have their own specific requirements or sometimes it's limited to a payer source. You have to write it one way for this insurance company and this way for our kids on Medicaid or whatever. So I'm not talking about wording. I'm just talking about the goal. For some of our kids, we may be tracking progress and thinking about it in, 
Well, this session he did three Valentines with me. And next week, even though Valentine's Day is on Saturday, I'm still going to repeat this activity because he liked it. Next week he did six Valentines with me. That's 100% progress, guys. He doubled the interaction time with you. So you may have to think about that and think about how you can track it and word it and monitor it where you're showing measurable progress in that kind of way. Uh, and for a kid who, again, is, is kind of hard to engage, that would your measure of if this activity was successful or not really isn't if he popped out words, if he's completely nonverbal. <laughs> it's how long he stayed with you and, and, and was engaged with you. And, again, you have to talk to moms and dads about this because if not, they're waiting on you to get words. And you may have to have some conversations like, listen, talking is going to be a long-term goal here. <laughs> We need to first start with him interacting with me and wanting to be with another person and wanting to be with you. And again, as you're doing this activity with moms, they're with you if you're doing a home visit or in your office or in your preschool or whatever. Probably a little more difficult in preschool, but let's kind of stick with the home and clinic settings. You're saying to mom, I know you have some Valentines with your older children or, you know, gosh, these cost a couple of bucks and he likes this so this is let's talk about how you can do this let's think about how you might use this this week and isn't this fun because this is something completely new and I know you're always looking for things you can do with him at home and I know you're always saying to me tell me how to do it tell me what to do give me some homework so this would be a good thing for you to do if you live in a state where you don't really take any materials in anymore this is something you can do if the family has preschool or school age children they are going to have some probably leftover valentines and you see those laying around this week and you say to mom hey we can use those let me give you some great ideas for these little valentines so we certainly can do that. All right, let's talk about this next little step Step up. We're still using that brown paper bag filled with those Valentines. What would we do? What would be the next little skill that if a kid likes it and is staying with you and you can tell that he's totally into this, what are some other things you can do? Well, immediately I know most of you are thinking teach requesting, and you certainly can do that. You can teach a sign or a word like more or please, and those are very general words. And, again, that's okay because a child will be able to use that all day long. And don't worry too much about, oh, I don't want them to overgeneralize. All kids overgeneralize when they learn language. <laughs> It's inherent to the process, so don't buy all that. With I have to teach a word like Valentine or heart. No, you don't. With a toddler, you can start with something general and generic like more or please. Again, you would only use this requesting piece if you're able to make the turns go really, really fast. You are not going to be able to get five minutes out of each Valentine card. You're just not, even if you're talking about it, even if the kid likes it. His whole purpose will probably be I want to hoard all of the Valentine's cards for myself. And you know what? That's okay. <laughs> we can take advantage of that internal, intrinsic little drive for them to hold and want every single one of those cards out of the bag, and you can get tons of turns if you go really, really fast. But again, only if a kid loves what's on the card 
Otherwise, this activity may not be motivating enough. And if he doesn't seem to want to request, back up. Work on that verbal routine thing. See if you can get him shaking the bag with you. Or, again, if he's ready to be verbal, perhaps he'll try to say, shake, 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 or even a, 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 or whatever he would, or, you know, I've had some kids do that initial with that that's okay we're not going for perfection here with a late talker you never focus on articulation right off the bat never ever 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 so we'll go with just what the approximation is for the word now what's even been more fun for me over the years is not using the words more or please it's teaching a kid how to say or sign open with this activity and again if you will allow the kid to be bossy in that he's going to get to tell you what to do and how you introduce that kind of bossiness, or why would you do that? It's to teach a kid that words are powerful. If I say something, I get something. You know, this communicating thing works out great for me. If I, it, or you know, and again, it could be a word or it could be a sign. So using something like open now. The trick I have here is really teaching a kid to say it pretty loudly, meaning we're yelling it, we're screaming it. There's just something about open that many toddlers, and they think it's hysterical because most of the time (laughs) they haven't really played with anybody in this way. Now, sometimes a mom will say, you know, I don't really want him screaming at me all the time. You know, moms who are overly concerned about behavior a lot for most moms, though, I've found that they say, I don't care what he says. I don't care how he says it. I just want him to talk because they're kind of desperate by the time that they've gotten a kid in speech therapy. So using this little screaming, yelling, say it loud trick for open really, really works. Now, again, you may get just, oh, or, uh, or whatever vocalization, whatever a Attempt a kid will give you there, and that's okay. We're rewarding that effort, and we're going to open that bag and let him stick his little hand in and grab a Valentine out. And again, don't let him get four or five, just let him get one. If you see that he's gotten several, you know, take him back, stuff him in the bag, and say, Oh, we just get one, we're just going to get one, and look at it, talk about it, whatever you're going to do. Let me give you some additional ideas for more than labeling what's on the card. We want to think beyond labeling. I like to have toddlers follow a direction with a card. And let me give you some some kind of my go-to directions. Having a kid who is just beginning to learn how to do what you say, or again, these are the kids that you're really working on receptive language. You really want them to learn to listen and complete the request. And again, let's back it up before we even get there. We want them to follow the request, but guys, they can't learn to do what you've asked them to do until you have modeled it a lot. So words that I start with here are words like pat. So we might say, ooh, let's pat. Um, What's the name of the the snowman from Frozen, Olaf, is that right? Or you you may even say snowman or, you know, if you have SpongeBob or if you have a, let's let's stick with puppy. Let's say we're going to do all this with our puppy and kitty cat valentines. So you might say, oh, let's pat that bee. Let me show you. Pat, 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 pat. And again, you're saying the words. You're completing the action. You're making sure that you are super fun and that you are super into it. And then if he doesn't do it, what should you do? Just consider it a big 
you know, say, oh, he didn't like that and move on. Heck no. Have, take his little hand and help him pat. Now, if you have a kid with tactile sensitivities, meaning he does not like for you to touch his hands and he doesn't like to use his hands for things, don't completely, you know, I'm not going to tell you, well, then don't ever touch him. You know, I'm not going to say that. Let me just talk about a firm touch. It's much easier for those kinds of kids who have those sensitivities to tolerate. So then you take his little hand and you help him do it. And again, you don't have to be super forceful when I say a firm touch there. You just need to make sure that you don't trigger any aversions uh, with how you are providing that hand-over-hand physical prompt. So you go ahead and do some hand-over-hand and help him pat the puppy. Other ones that are good to do, kiss the puppy, hug the puppy, tickle the puppy. It's huge, huge for toddlers. They think that's so funny when you put your hands down and you're saying tickle, 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 tickle right on that valentine. Now, again, if you haven't worked with a lot of young kids or if you're a mom and just have stumbled upon the show, you may think, well, that is about the dumbest idea I've ever heard. I promise, I promise, I promise. (laughs) These little routines work with one- and two- and three-year-olds. So use those little uh, words like that. You may also, funnier directions, you know, you can do some some general ones like, you know, give puppy to mommy, let mommy hold the puppy, let mommy kiss the puppy. And kids will think that's funny too because they will try to smash the puppy right on their mom's lips to get mom to kiss the puppy. You could do things like let's put puppy in your pocket or you could say sit on that puppy. Let's sit on puppy, you know, and put it under you as you were sitting on the floor, sitting in a chair. That's hysterical. So anything that you can do to elicit those early receptive language commands, that's what we would be going for. You could put the puppy on your head. You could hide the puppy in your shirt, anything like that. But again, he has to imitate you first. So you have to model it so he can copy you And then over time, you stop doing it and see if he'll follow that little direction on his own. Another idea that I love to use with Valentine's Day cards is kind of to think ahead for Easter. We do not have to wait for Easter to hide things. We can hide Valentine's Day cards just as well as we can hide Easter eggs. So get yourself, again, you can use that paper bag or something like those buckets, those little plastic buckets with lids. Pick up one of those when you're in getting your Valentine's Day cards, and you can hide those cards, you know, make a big deal about saying to a kid, oh, close your eyes, don't look, don't look, I'm going to hide it, I'm going to hide it. And, you know, they're going to look while you're doing it. But be kind of, act like you're being sneaky or funny, you know, when you're walking around and putting one under the couch and then putting one, you know, between the cushions of the couch or putting it in the chair or you know and don't hide like 17 or anything just do three or two or three three or four how many ever a child can do and then say to him oh where, where are they let's find them let's find them valentines or the hearts or the cards or the puppies or the cats or whatever you're going to call it and then walk around together and talk about where you're finding them talk about you know who you're finding let look at the cards and then stick it in the bucket. Now, if you don't have a bucket, any kind of bag is going to be fine here. An old purse, a backpack, anything. Anytime a toddler can put something in and then dump it out, you know, always say stuff it in, dump it out, they love it. It's automatically 
for the most part, a winner. So get some kind of container going and, and do this kind of thing, hiding the cards. That might be something, you know, that you do after you've looked at the cards, after you've opened the bag and done some receptive language things with that. Then, you know, to keep that activity going, that might be that you hide them next. So can you see how you would use the little Valentine cards all through the session? For some kids, you'll want to start out hiding them because just sitting with you and looking at them as you pull them out of a bag, it's you can still be fun, but it's not as fun as moving through the room and hiding them. And for some kids, hey, they'll want to do this for a long time. And if that's the case, let them because we can teach words anytime, anywhere, with anything. So you can do it and do it and do it, and you can switch out your cards so that it's kind of a surprise. You know, if they haven't seen one of the uh, Lightning McQueen cards yet and you hide one, you automatically have something new to talk about and, and introduce. So that's a good one too. If you get the Valentine's Day bucket, let me talk to you about some ideas that you can do with that. Cut a slit in the top of the lid, and your goal here, we already talked about, <laughs> stuff it in, dump it out, stuff it in, dump it out. They can take it from your bag, talk about it, do whatever command with it, and then put it in the lid in their bucket. And again, toddlers love that. They absolutely love it. Some of our kids will might need a movement activity with this kind of that with uh, this kind of task, or else you'll lose them. So what you might do is have them pick the Valentine card from your bag, and you'll do whatever you were going to do. If they're not talking yet or requesting it, you're just going to still do the shake, shake, shake part, and uh, you know you make a big deal about doing open, 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 and you know if they're ready to work on the sign of the word, include that. But even if they're not, get the card, do whatever you're going to do with that, and then have the bucket across the room and run across the room and have them put the card in the bucket. I cannot tell you how much attention and how much you will increase a child's ability to want to stay with you and play with you many, many times just by introducing a running component as a part of the activity. You're building in movement. You're giving them an opportunity to stay regulated or run. Or if you're a mom and you're not quite sure what I'm talking about when I say regulated, I mean stay calm and wanting to play with you rather than i got to get out of here because this is too much for me or it's a lot of times it's not enough for me. It's not exciting for me. But if you include that running part, they'll really, really, really like it. For some kids, again, just the ability to get the card, look at it, and then run across the room, put it in the bucket, and then come back to you for another card, that's enough for some of our little friends. Don't you have little clients that if they did that for you three or four times, you would be ecstatic because they don't usually participate that well? In the last several weeks, we talked about uh, ideas for kids who don't like to sit still and ideas for kids who are over, um, you know, just or dysregulated, overstimulated. This is a fantastic activity for these kinds of kids because you're introducing that movement piece, which will help their little bodies calm down and regulate and feel that kind of release. 
And hopefully after you've done this little running game a time or two or, you know, 17, depending on how many times the kid needs it, then maybe you could sit down and open the bucket and look at those darn valentines again. So you'll have another opportunity for all that repetition that we've talked about, whether you're naming them or following those receptive commands or whatever you're doing. So can't you see how using a few of these little ideas and tweaking the order, tweaking the way that you present them, for some kids, you're going to want to hide them first. For some kids, you need to go straight to pull it out of the bag, run across the room, put it in the bucket. For you know, Some kids won't need all that movement. You might only use the movement when you feel like you're losing them or if this wasn't as fun of an idea as you thought it was going to be. Or if you suddenly find yourself in charge of an entire preschool classroom or daycare classroom, boy, doesn't that happen a lot. You can use this kind of activity. You've planned it. You have two or three little versions that you could do with it, and it certainly, uh, with your creativity and with you knowing what you know about your little friends that you're seeing, you'll be able to adapt and modify and change it to fit whatever situation. The last kind of game that I do with Valentine's Day cards is for toddlers and young preschoolers who are a little bit more mature, and we talked about this at the beginning of the show, kids who might be interested in drawing on the cards and envelopes, and certainly if they've seen their older brothers and sisters do this, they're more likely to want to do it too. I think I've shared on the show before that our oldest son really wasn't into writing. He ended up with a reading disability, had some dysgraphia, the writing um, delays is part of that as well. So he wasn't into writing. Our second son, who's completely typically developing, you know, on the early side of every milestone, he liked writing okay. But boy, our daughter, who was four and six or is four and six years younger than her brothers, she loved all that crafty pre-writing stuff, mostly, well, it might be a gender difference. She's a little girl, and little girls like that crafty stuff more. But she had a, spent a lot of time at night in the evenings and um, nighttime with her brothers as they sat with me at a table and we did homework. And so she wanted homework too. Even before she could say homework, <laughs> that's the kind of thing she wanted to do. So you may have some crafty little girls or boys on your caseload who would like pretending that they're writing their name or drawing a circle or drawing a line or coloring or whatever they want to do. You can certainly do that with your Valentines. A lot of kids have been really into putting the Valentine in the envelope and then licking the envelope. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, then I can't reuse it. Most of the time you can because you can um, pull the envelope up. The thing is it's not going to be sticky like that anymore. You'll have to use a glue stick with the next kid who might want to glue the envelope or use the envelope. But again, don't let some a kid do a box of 20. Just let him, if he likes to do this, do three or four. And usually that's enough for those kinds of kids. And don't make the mistake of presenting 20 envelopes. <laughs> Only offer three or four because then it's self-limiting and, and that's all that would be available for a child to do. Now, this is what this is another idea that I did for a few years that kids liked. I haven't done it in a while, and I haven't even thought about it until I was typing this post last night. But for a while, I had a white shoebox that I had somehow, I, I used to have a little, this was from our oldest son, Jonathan, who is now 25. He had a little 
I think it was Fisher-Price, a little mailbox. It was a little blue plastic toy, and I had that for a long time. And then, for some reason, I knew that a kid that I had wanted would want to play mail, so I put stickers and stamps on this white shoe box, cut, a lid, uh, cut the lid so that it kind of flapped open like a mailbox just on top, and I played mailbox with several kids. And again, these are kids that were turning three, you know, in those last few months of you think I have played every toy known to man with this child. He's he's seen everything I have. He's seen all my tricks. He's tired of his toys. He's tired of my toys. He's tired of everything. Mailbox is <laughs> a fun game to play with those kinds of kids. And, again, anything, stuff it in, dump it out. They're going to like it. There's so much language you can teach here, but especially prepositions, in, out, off, on, under. Um, under is a little later developing preposition, but that's okay. Um, any kind of location word would be an easy, easy target for that mailbox kind of game. All right, let me give you some really quick ideas for kids who aren't into the Valentine's Day cards. And again, this may only work with a handful of your kids this year, but next year you may have 12 kids who would like these ideas. So don't forget about them. And even if you're thinking, oh gosh, I really, I don't have time to pull this together or I don't have anybody this year. Everybody this year is really little. I don't think anybody will like it. Hold on to this idea for next year. Store it away in your little mental file cabinet or your mental, um, <laughs> I always think about my brain sometimes as the, you know, my desktop, and I have to think about, you know, and I think about that hourglass kind of spinning with what can you do, what can you do, what can you do? And so this is an activity that you may think about and and bring out next year. But we will have some little guys who, who might not like these cards, so what are some other things you can do? I did a Therapy Tip of the Week back in 2012 when we first started Therapy Tip of the Week a couple of ideas for you to use for those kinds of kids. One is a Valentine's Day sensory box, and that's that you are filling a box with materials that are Valentine's Day related. And I usually go to a place like Dollar Tree where I can get lots of little plastic um, heart-shaped things or the filler and fill a box with those kinds of things kind of as your, again, I call it filler or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And you can certainly use just a Valentine's Day-themed object, or you can mix other objects in there too, whatever you think that a child would like. I've, the video is so good at explaining how to do it, and then you can see how to make these boxes too. So go back and take a look at that. And if you are at teachmetotalk.com, let me tell you how to get there. You can do it a couple of different ways. You can go to the banner across the top with about blog, parents, blah, 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 blah. You can go over to videos and get to the Therapy Tip of the Week videos there and scroll all the way back to the beginning, so back to 2012. Or up in the search bar, you can type the date I did this Therapy Tip of the Week to uh, February 7th, 2012, or you could type in Valentine's Day in the search box. And both of the Therapy Tip of the Week videos um, that are related to Valentine's Day will come up. One is about sensory boxes like we already talked about. The other one has some cute ideas for making an I Love You book. And I had a little guy who loved Tales the year that I 
made this book, so that's what it's about. But you certainly can do some pictures of mom and dad. And I didn't watch the video yesterday. I think there are actually some discussion about using it for members of your family. So if you have a kid who, again, is working on saying mama or dada or uh, any of those really early, early, early words, and I love you book is a fun thing to make if his attention span will allow it, if he will like it. I've used this kind of little book, too, with kids who are pretty self-stimulatory with books, meaning that all they want to do is flip the pages. They don't really care what's on the page. It's a nice way to teach a kid sometimes to become interested in books because the material is tailored just for his own little family, his own little friends. And then I think on that Therapy Tip of the Week video, there are some ideas, too, about using the buckets with the Valentine's Day Carter pictures that we've already talked about today. At the bottom of the post about today's show that I've already mentioned, and again, it's called One of My Favorites, dot, 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 Valentine's Day for toddlers. You'll also find some links to some therapy guides that I've done that are really relevant for this time of year. The first one is winter activities for groups of toddlers. So if you find yourself this week suddenly in charge of the Valentine's Day party for somebody or you have some sibling groups or you just think, gosh, I want to do something completely different in all my visits from things that I've ever, ever done with a kid before, take a look at those therapy guides. Now, they're cheap. They're they're $19.99 each, but they're one-hour online videos, and I walk you through. I can't remember how many activities are on each video, probably 8 to 12, and you, you just get a ton of ideas. You get a materials list. And, again, I'm doing like I've done in the show where I'm talking about really specific ideas and cuter ideas even than we talked about today. Now, you may have to pull together some materials. But, again, everything I use is pretty easy to find, pretty familiar, and pretty inexpensive. So you can do that. If you're looking for some structured teaching activities, and, again, this is the TEACH method, T-E-A-C-C-H, for kids who are really visual but have really short attention spans and you're just trying to work on attention and task completion, take a look at that Structured Teaching for Valentine's Day video. And if you don't have anybody you can use that video with now, I promise you'll be able to still take those activities and those ideas and keep them in that wonderful brain of yours <laughs> until you need it with a hard kid. And, and kids who, not all kids who need structure teaching are hard, but for the most part we do structure teaching with our, our most difficult and our most challenging little guys who don't seem to like toys, but they're pretty visual, and you've got to really just teach them to stay and complete a task. And structure teaching is the best thing I've ever found for kids who are in that phase. Lots of our guys with um, – our most significant challenges are guys that, that really have cognitive, maybe some cognitive strengths, but really struggle with attention, maybe have some visual strengths, but again, really aren't playing with toys appropriately yet, but they like to organize, they like to line up, they like to match. They benefit most from that kind of activity. So take a look at those structured teaching for Valentine's, uh, for that information and go ahead and get that video while it's still available. All right, I hope I've given you some great last-minute ideas for Valentine's Day for this week. And if you are listening to the show in July or October or next December, 
Good for you. You're going to be ready ahead of the game, and you'll be able to take these ideas and just run with them. I hope you have a fun week uh, with all your little sweethearts, and I hope you'll join me for next week's show. Thanks so much, and happy Valentine's Day. Bye-bye.